Hey everybody, Anthony Desiato here. I hope you enjoyed the New Year's episode of My Comic Shop History. Uh, the Longer Halloween will be back at the beginning of February with our Valentine's Day installment. And my guest will be former Alternate Realities co-owner and my wedding officiant, Drew Cheskin. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun. In the meantime, uh, this is a special presentation of my brand new podcast series, My Comic Shop Book Club. Now, as you know, I've done book club episodes here and there over the years but I finally decided to make My Comic Shop Book Club its own full-fledged ongoing podcast series. And again, I'm giving you the first episode here under the My Comic Shop History feed so that you can all check it out. But if you like what you hear and if you want to check out upcoming installments, which I certainly hope you will, uh, please make sure to subscribe to My Comic Shop Book Club via your podcast platform of choice. It's on all the major ones. Uh, so please make sure that you are subscribed and that way you'll never miss an episode. Also, uh, just a, a heads up, um, all of my podcasts now, uh, current and upcoming episodes, are also available in video form on my YouTube channel. Uh, and the YouTube channel is just uh, Anthony Desiato, so pretty easy to find. So uh, lots of options, right? If you want to listen, if you want to watch, uh, however you choose to consume uh, these various shows, uh, please make sure that you that you subscribe, that you like, that you comment, that you review, that you share. Uh, really, all of that goes a long way uh, towards helping other people uh, discover the show, and I, I really do appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Patreon. Uh, there's so much uh, extra content at just the $1 level. I really try to keep the barrier to entry relatively low, so there's a ton of bonus content at the $1 level. Uh, certainly there, there are even cooler perks as you work your way up through the reward tiers, but uh, even at a dollar a month, uh, you get a bunch of bonus podcasts, uh, including companion shows for Digging for Kryptonite, my Superman show, and for uh, the new show, My Comic Shop Book Club. And uh, I really, I can't thank uh, those of you who have already signed up. I can't thank you enough. Uh, it really does help me, uh, help enable me to continue to produce these shows. So thank you to everyone who has. Uh, and thank you to everyone for supporting it in whatever way you do. I really do appreciate it. Uh, so uh, it's time to uh, queue up the premiere episode of my comic shop book club. The reading selection is All-Star Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder by Frank Miller and Jim Lee. Uh, the guest is someone that will be very familiar to longtime listeners. It's uh, Sean Hendricks from Fat Moose Comics. Uh, he's been on the show a bunch. He's in my comic shop country. And we had a very, very fun chat <laughs> about All-Star Batman and Robin. There was some whiskey involved. Uh, there were a lot of laughs. And I think we had a, a pretty interesting uh, thoughtful and and ultimately fair discussion of uh, what's usually considered a pretty controversial comic. Uh, so again, this is just the first episode. There are a lot of great reading selections to come. And uh, follow me on social media. You know, I'll be giving everyone a heads up about the stuff that we'll be reading. Uh, this really has been a long time coming. Again, I've dabbled in book club episodes in the past, uh, but it, it's I've I've recorded a few episodes of the new series already, and and it's really been a lot of fun to uh, revisit uh, some favorites of mine, to discover some new books, and in the case of All Star Batman and Robin, to take a look at something that I didn't really love the first time, and see if there might be some way to enjoy it. So I won't spoil the outcome. Uh, make sure you listen uh, to the episode to follow to see what the verdict is uh, on that. So final, really quick recap. We currently have three ongoing podcast series. There's My Comic Shop History, which is in the midst of the monthly longer Halloween storyline. Storyline. I mean, it's nonfiction, but you know what I mean. Um, and then we have Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. Uh, so that's my big Superman podcast series. And uh, this month, the month of January, I have two epic, epic episodes 
about the 1950s television series uh, Adventures of Superman starring George Reeves. And Alternate Reality's favorite Rich Roney is my guest on both episodes, as well as the Patreon-exclusive bonus episode. It's a lot of Adventures of Superman talk. If you have any interest in the show... I cannot stress this enough. Make sure you check out these episodes. We had an absolute blast. Uh, so that's Digging for Kryptonite. And then, of course, the new show, My Comic Shop Book Club. So it's been a busy time, but honestly, it's been a lot of fun to, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, revisit these stories and these aspects of my fandom. But even more than that, honestly, in this pandemic era, uh, it's really been great to reconnect with folks. You know, it's, you know, virtual over over an iPad screen, but, you know, it's still great to see people and talk to them and have these fun conversations. Uh, so it's been a blast for me. I hope that you've been enjoying. I hope you will continue tuning in. And now, without any further ado, here is the series premiere of My Comic Shop Book Club. For over a decade, I shopped and worked at my local comic shop. One of the best parts about hanging out there was comparing notes on what I was reading with folks who shared my passion for comics. My comic shop is gone now, but we can still hold on to the magic of that in-store discussion. This is My Comic Shop Book Club. Welcome to My Comic Shop Book Club. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. This episode, our reading selection is All-Star Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder, written by Frank Miller, drawn by Jim Lee. Joining me to discuss this series is Fat Moose Comics owner, Sean Hendricks. Hey, how's it going? Welcome, no, I sir. can't keep that up. Uh, you know what? I, I was going to try and do the voice. I, I can't do the voice. It's not. <laughs> it's just not worth it. I admire the effort, and I admire the visual. The visual I got cue the shirt. and on, the yeah. shirt. The shirt and the and the mask for our <laughs> our YouTube viewers. Uh, unfortunately, it'll Hold be on. lost on our on our audio listeners. But uh, you can use your imagination. And I appreciate the attempt at the voice. I think, though, for, to sustain that over you know sixty plus minutes, I think uh, might might do some damage. Yeah, it'd probably mess me up for life. Where's the trigger? Oh my goodness! Would, okay, would you like on. to? I'm already bored. Hold on. A would you like to unmask and and reveal yourself for our audience? This may actually be preferential, but okay, this is what my face looks like. There he is, folks. Look at all this hair. <laughs> so okay. it's, you know it's very appropriate. This is my comic shop book club, right? Born out of the great discussions that you know many of us have experienced at our local comic shops. You are the owner of Fat Moose Comics in Whippany, New Jersey. And it is my gift and it is my curse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a comic shop, what the comic shop that uh, we need, but not the one that we deserve or, or vice versa. There you go. Which one? Is it the other? I could never keep that. It never made that phrase never made any sense to me. Well, he's not the hero we need, but the one we deserve. I, I Whatever. Well, we won't pull at those threads too much, but yeah, we are here to discuss uh, the 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 infamous all-star Batman and Robin, <laughs> the boy wonder, not to be confused with Scott Snyder's all-star Batman, which came out far more recently. Right. The series we're talking about, again, by Frank Miller and Jim Lee, they published 10 issues in between 2005 and 2008. Uh, I, I looked it up. So, uh, yes, this, of course, was a series plagued by delays and notoriously remained and remains unfinished. So issue 10 right. ends... Not on a hard cliffhanger, but totally unresolved. And uh, to this day, we, we never got a resolution to the story. Now, did they not? I didn't get a chance. I literally, you know, uh, truth be told, I, I got the book 
I read it when it was coming out monthly, well, monthly in quotes. Um, but those issues are all in storage in my sister's basement in Branchburg, New Jersey. And so I didn't get a chance to get there. So I ordered it through my shop and the trade paperback showed up on Saturday. I didn't get a chance to read it until like 6.30 tonight. And now it's a little after eight. So I sat and just, just binged the whole thing. Um, it ends, it's not a terrible ending. I don't think it's unresolved in any way, but it does feel truncated. It does feel like there was probably going to be more. And I didn't have time to do the research because I literally finished just in time to pour a drink and hop on this Zoom meeting with you. Didn't they do like a one-shot follow-up a bit later? No, nothing? Was there nothing? Oh, hang on a second. So the trade paperback you have, Mm -hmm. I think, does it just collect one through nine? I believe so. Okay. So Hold they, on, I'll grab it. <laughs> I got it literally right behind me. Give me a second. Yeah. So while Sean is looking for that, oh, wow, that was fast. All right. Okay. And he's, and he's oh. back. <laughs> this is, here it is. Oh, no. Hold on. Usually they put it on the back cover. This is. I'm oh pretty God, sure. So and crap in the front here before you. So I'm pretty one, sure you just have one through nine. And that's why you said like, oh, it's not that bad of an ending. Uh, because I, right. I remember very well, of course, how issue number nine ends. Issue 10, yeah. though. Yeah. yeah. Okay. One so, through nine. So the absolute edition that they did, that one. Oh, well, excuse me. <laughs> that one has issue 10. Uh, so so you didn't. So you did most of your homework, but you didn't get to the 10th issue. But that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's not your fault. I'm so tired. I know. Listen, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know how many people listening or watching are new to my stuff. I I suspect and I hope that there are a lot of folks who have been with me on my on my podcast journey with my comic shop history and digging for kryptonite and you know you've been a frequent guest on on my other podcast so I think for for a lot of our audience uh, you're a welcome face and a welcome voice and I know you're busy with the shop and I appreciate you doing this and I guess before we really dive in I I, let's uh let let's toast ah here we go happy holidays and all that yes well this will be out after that but I hope everyone well (laughs) It's, it's what today's the 21st. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. What are, are you drinking? I will give you one guess and you will be absolutely correct. (laughs) I know it's wild Turkey. It's just a matter of, is it the one one or is it the long branch? Those are the, that's the only one. No, that long branch is long gone. That that thing that didn't stand a chance. Okay. Do you know what I have? You have maker's mark. It is maker's mark. Yeah. See, that's how good I am. I can just look at it and tell you what it is. You know, when I did my reread, I posted a photo on the mm-hmm. Flat Squirrel Podcast Network Facebook group, and it was my iPad with issue number one pulled up, and it was the, the, the bottle of Maker's Mark <laughs> and this glass, and I think that got more likes than, than almost anything else I posted. <laughs> well, and you went super classy black and white. You were very artsy about it. Yes. Yeah, I did do that. And I had someone, one of your customers actually pointed out uh, my, my fancy <laughs> glass. Uh, Octavia, I think, uh, called out my, oh, okay. my fancy yeah, oh, she's glass. she's awesome. She's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to give a shout out, actually, Stonegate Wines and Spirits, uh, a, a liquor store in Valhalla that is owned by a guy I met through my old comic shop. And uh, he actually uh, gifted me uh, a set of, of these glasses. That's quite nice. I don't, I don't expect that drinking during the episodes will be a regular thing with this podcast series except when you're on it will when i'm on yeah (laughs) you got that right pal (laughs) but somehow somehow it felt appropriate for this reading selection right uh for this 
goddamn Batman. Do you think it should have just been called the goddamn Batman? I think it's known basically as the goddamn Batman at this point. So, all right. There's a lot I want to ask you. I want to get your take on everything. But let me sure. I just want to lay out something real quick. I took notes. Look, look, look. Oh, I took I, notes. That's, I appreciate that. I don't have any notes, so I, <laughs> I really appreciate that. Well, you're that. much more clever than me, and you no. probably have it in your head. I don't know. We'll see. Once that maker's mark kicks in, who, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I just wanted to talk for just a second about, you know, kind of how I'm picking the reading selections for this book club podcast. Because for the most part, you know, my intention is for this to be a celebration of comics. Like, for the most part, the stuff that I'm going to be picking is stuff that I really enjoyed, right? I don't really have the interest or the desire to spend my energy like dumping on something for an hour. Right. That's just not what I want. There, there are plenty of YouTube channels that do that exact thing. Exactly. Right. So I don't want to put that energy out there necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I will, of course, you know, whatever we're talking about, I will give my honest opinion and even stuff, you know, even if I enjoyed something as a whole, you know, there's always stuff that, you know, you didn't like, and I'll be honest about all that. This episode <laughs> falls into a little <laughs> different category, but there's, there's a method to the madness because one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast, again, celebrate the stuff that I like, but the, another reason is I thought it would be interesting to kind of revisit certain stories, and this is a great example, where I did not enjoy it the first time around, and it's not something that I remember fondly all these years later, but I always wondered, you know, coming back to it with a different perspective, is there something that that can be enjoyed there? Is is there a way that I could kind of approach this where I could I could find a way to enjoy it. And that was sort of the experiment and the challenge that I wanted to present to myself. And that's why we did this episode. Well, what, what's your hot take real quick, like your, your elevator pitch on what this thing is? My hot take, honestly, is that I definitely enjoyed it more than I did the first time around. I don't think that it's a misunderstood masterpiece. I do think it's misunderstood to an extent. Uh, and there are aspects of it that I enjoyed. Um, I I don't feel that it's the train wreck that that I guess I felt it was initially. Uh, so my position on it changed again. Not I didn't completely swing the other way. Uh, that would be a lie. But I was able to find a way to at least enjoy aspects of it. So it, I think overall for me it was a successful uh, experiment. I mean, here's the thing. I, I'm not going to sit here for an hour and try to convince you or anyone else that like, this is amazing. You have to read it. But again, I do think there is something to be enjoyed about this. Uh, and you know, we'll talk about it. But what's your hot take? Um, <laughs> it's a bit of a shit show. Pardon the language. Uh, it feels like Frank Miller doing a parody of Frank Miller. Like he's like cranking the dial up to 11. Like how Frank Miller can I be about this? There's a lot of weird misogyny. Um, there's a lot of, it's just, I, and like I said, I just finished it like r- 10 minutes before we started uh, recording. It's uh, the art's very nice. Jim Lee, a master of his craft. I've never thought he was a great costume designer when he redid the, all the new 52 costumes and everything looked almost exactly the same. Like all of these superheroes all go to the same tailor. Not a fan of his costume design, but as far as artwork and coloring and lettering, yeah, it's great. Uh, as far as actual story, holy crap. <laughs> it's, um, and again, having not read the final issue, uh, the unintended final issue, it's, uh, it's, it's as Batman as Batman could be, I suppose. If, you know, no, fair enough. I, you know, and you know, again, I'm assuming that people 
listening or watching uh, this episode have have read about have read it or at least know enough about it. But you know the the spine of the story is Batman drafting a just orphaned Dick Grayson into his war on crime. Well, by drafting you mean kidnapping. Yes. And forcing <laughs> like there's literally a panel where he literally physically throws him into the Batmobile. Yeah. And uh, and and keeps him there for like four issues. It's like a four issue long uh, Batmobile ride. See, that's you know, that's one of my notes. Actually, they're in that Batmobile for a long time. I know where you're going. Go for it. I know what this is. Yeah. Oh, no. Go ahead. No, you no. Tell me then. No, no. Okay. You go. You go. OK. In the space of time that they're in this Batmobile. The the circus that that he goes to with Vicky Vale, who by the way the first reveal of Vicky Vale she's in a bra and panties and high heels alone in her own place. So I mean that's how I usually rock it, you know, when I'm home alone, you know, bra, panties, and and stilettos. Yeah, very uh, cheese, Vicky, very cheesecakey. Her her introduction, yeah, oh my very God. very. That would not. I don't think you would see that today. No, uh, but they go to the circus, which is ostensibly near Gotham. And uh, Wayne Manor, hence the Batcave, is right outside of Gotham. But man, that car trip takes so long that Dick Grayson's picture ends up on a milk cart. In In Metropolis. (laughs) In Metropolis. How long? How the hell did that happen? That's either the fastest turnaround for a a missing child thing. How did he end up on it? So did you think that's what I was going to reference? Yeah. That's 100%. Because I had the same thought. I'm flabbergasted by that. And I feel like this was commented on at the time. But yeah, I was reading it. And, you know, because there's a scene. Yeah, we we jumped to Metropolis and and Clark is pouring milk and he's he's, he's Dick Grayson on the carton. And it's like, but I think they're still in the Batmobile. It's like, (laughs) it's like the same night. Like, wow, that's the freshest milk I've ever seen. Like, this is... Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to, that took me out of it a little bit as did, you know, a hundred other small things, but that one, I I actually jotted that down as a note because what the hell, man? I'm with you. You know, I, there's a lot obviously about the story that I want to talk about. I do want to, I do want to talk about the publishing side of this because I think it's interesting to kind of view this story in its, in its context. But before we even get to that one, one story related point that I think we have to bring up right at the beginning, you know, at, a few minutes ago, we mentioned the goddamn Batman, right? Mm. And he refers to himself as that and is referred to as that numerous times throughout the story. The goddamn Batman. And in particular, there's a standout moment <laughs> in the Batmobile where young Dick Grayson, whose parents were just murdered in front of him, who was kidnapped by the police, who Batman, quote unquote, you know, rescued slash kidnapped. Uh, and you know they're in the Batmobile and, and Dick Grayson asks who he is and and Batman says like I'm the goddamn Batman he says a couple of other things before that that really uh again one in particular would not fly uh at, um, at what, all are you dense are you retarded what was the third there's three of them I think retarded was the big one that it's like wow yeah it's still got his parents brains on his shoes <laughs> yeah uh very you know very poor taste but in any event the the goddamn Batman line you know, I don't know. I was thinking about it. And it, from Batman's perspective, right, it, you know, <laughs> there have been stories about Batman in the in the paper, right? He's this, you know, maybe urban myth, but there's stories about him. There's a bat signal in the sky. Uh, you know, he shows up and approaches Dick Grayson dressed in a bat costume. He throws him in a car, uh, you know, shaped like a bat. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. Who do you think it is? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. If you had to guess. I'm going to chalk that up to trauma, you yes. know. He, he did just witness his parents get killed in front of him. Uh, but uh, the goddamn Batman, there's just something. Hold on. Somebody's calling me. Leave me alone. I'm podcasting. Okay. Um, 
the that that I think is like the standout takeaway from this whole story. I think when talking about this book over the years with people, there are two things that seem to stand out. Everybody, the, the goddamn Batman, the what are you dense? Are you retarded? And then the, the second thing that most people seem to gravitate towards conversationally is um, Batman and Black Canary basically having sex in the rain on the dock. And, oh, we keep the masks on because yeah. it's hotter that way. Wait, hold on. I, I can you know, I'll make it better. Yeah. We keep the masks on. It's hotter that way. <laughs> Sean just put on a different Batman mask. I, he's a really different. Not, well, like you think I have just the one? It's really not messing around here. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that, and you know, feel free to expand on that because I was actually going to ask you again as someone who has worked at a comic shop and now owns a comic shop, and you know, I know you guys have a great community there. You hang out, talking comics. I was curious. And you just answered it, but I was curious, like, what is the general, like, the tone of the conversation when this book comes up at the shop? Um, most people view it as, like, uh, an Elseworlds B-movie, you know, like a Robert Rodriguez, you know, um, grindcore version of Batman, you know? Like, in, in, intentionally over the top, sometimes so far over the top, where, yeah, they could not release that book today. There would be... YouTube series and protests and, 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 you know, um, cancel culture and all like, there's no way DC would ever be like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, let's put that out there, you know? And, and that's the thing. And, you know, like I said, I wanted to kind of examine the, the publishing history of this because I think it's interesting and, and it, it makes all-star Batman and Robin like an even more curious, uh, choice, right? So this was part of the all-star line. Right, and this was the first book in the All Star line. Ended up being only one of two. <laughs> there was this and All Star yeah. Superman, which, of course, is regarded as one of the greatest Superman stories ever. So they, which you know. I've always wanted to reread. I just I read it monthly. It ran the full twelve issues. Right, yep. that yeah, one. They, that one finished. Yeah, completed. Yeah, um, I remember enjoying it, and I, I think I even owned the animated version, which I still haven't gotten around to watching. But I would love to sit down and reread that because it's so highly regarded at the time. Reading it monthly. I read so many comic books in a given week that I remember enjoying it, but it didn't resonate with me because I'd read that issue, you know, issue three or four, then I'd go read something else and something else and something else. I, I would imagine in a trade paperback format that it's much more enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. But I get what you're saying. Uh, but, you know, for anyone who, who needs a refresher, you know, the all-star line was intended to be not quite DC's version of, of, ultimate like what like what marvel did with the with their ultimate line right. but the the sort of the idea behind it was top tier creators on their biggest characters freed from the shackles of continuity able to tell whatever stories they wanted utilizing any any toys uh from the character's history that they wanted to right to ultimately right. present the most like iconic version of the character and i think with all-star superman you get that like that's one of those books that I'm sure you've experienced this right at the store where either a new customer or an existing customer who's kind of thinking about Superman, like, oh, what should I read? It's like, that's one of those books that you can give to someone and say, here you go. Right. Batman and Robin was, <laughs> was something else. And, and that's why it's like, it's like, that's Two why I very, said. Very, very different approaches. <laughs> that's the thing. That's why I say like, it was kind of a curious choice because it, I don't think in any way like really fits the bill of what the all-star line was intended to be. I think it was a matter of we've got Frank Miller, we've got Jim Lee. They're both 
basically commanding a heavy paycheck, I guess we're just going to release whatever the hell they give us. I don't know, you know? Well, so, you know, one other member of the creative team that I would like to mention here is <clears throat> the assistant editor, Brandon Montclair. Good friend of mine. So Brandon V. Montclair? Br is it V? <laughs> no, I'm no, no, no. It's, it's I know. an L. I do that <laughs> to everybody because of of, of Ken V. Mary. <laughs> oh, v, yeah, V. Ken. Yeah. V. Ken. V. Ken, will, Ken, yeah. v. Ken will almost certainly be uh, be be listening and or watching. So we oh, shout right. out shout out oh, to how, Ken. How's it going, Paul? But uh, no, okay. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> quite all right. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was like, wait. <laughs> but I like to knock you off your game a bit. You know, I appreciate that's what it. I do. <laughs> if not for the makers, Mark, I would have caught it, but you know, it's been a few minutes. Uh, so Brandon Montclair was one of the owners at Alternate Realities, my old comic shop. I worked under Brandon for a number of years. He went on to be an assistant editor at DC working under Bob Shrek. Uh, and they worked on some Vertigo books and the Bat line and the All-Star line. And of course, Brandon now has gone on to have a, a very nice career as a comic book writer. He's done uh, Rocket Girl and Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Awesome. I remember, and this was one, of, I'll be honest, this was one of the other reasons why I wanted to do this episode, because uh, after Brandon left Alternate Realities and he, and he was, you know, an assistant editor full time, he, he would still come around the comic shop from time to time. And I remember him coming around during the time of All-Star Batman and Robin, and we all dumped on it all the time, right. <laughs> you know, for all the reasons that I think you would expect and that we'll talk about in this episode, it was not generally well received. I mean, we joked about the goddamn Batman, like we, you know, we, we had our fun and Brandon always maintained, <laughs> I don't want to put words in his mouth, right? I'm not, this is not a hard quote, but the gist of his, his, uh, his reply was always basically like, we didn't get it right. Like Frank Miller was doing something that we like that was lost oh, yeah, on us. Like yeah. we didn't get it. Yeah, Frank Miller was playing four-dimensional chess the whole time, and we just, it was too clever for us. <laughs> right. And, you know, I never really got the sense that Brandon was saying that because he worked on it. I, I don't think that was, the, knowing him, you know, and not that we're the best friends, but I know him well enough. I don't think that was the case. I think that was, and I think at least to an extent is still his opinion, although I haven't really spoken uh, with him about it, so I'm not positive. But, uh, you know, that was always kind of in my head where part of me always wondered, like, was he right? And especially, you know, because this came out in 2005, right? Like I was in between high school and college when this came out. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm 33 now. So a lot has happened in the, in the meantime. And I've kind of always wondered, like, was you child, I've yeah. got credit card debt older than you. <laughs> <laughs> but I've kind of always wondered, like, was he right? And right. now having reread it, uh, I, I wouldn't say he was right. I wouldn't say he was totally wrong either. Again, I, I kind of land somewhere in between. But that was one of the other reasons I wanted to do this. I would say Frank Miller, and he's a legend. There's no denying, you know, what he's accomplished, what he's achieved, the mark he's made on comic books and pop culture in general. But Dunn lost his mind, man. It happens. I mean, you look at – and we have conversations at the shop all the time about creators as they age, kind of maybe – you know, the gears start to skip a little. I mean, he got, for example, and we could do a whole episode about this one day, about Dave Sim. Um, he His wheels came right off. Like, he lost his damn mind. Um, Miller got a little wonky. Um, John Byrne, even. And again, a master of his craft. As he aged, he kind of got a little cranky, a little weird. And, you know, it, you see it happen, you know. But I think Frank Miller, I mean, did you... Did you read his, um, the Black Label Superman series he did recently with Ramita Jr.? Uh, no. 
And okay, don't. <laughs> well, so or I can send it to you if you want. There will be an episode of my Superman podcast, Digging for Kryptonite, where we take a look at the Superman of Frank Miller. And okay. in that episode, I will read Superman Year One. Thus far, uh, I that's I what it was. Yeah, Year One. I haven't, but it is rife with ridiculousness. You know, it. I mean, well, as I was reading it. I would occasionally post up a, a panel from the book and on my Facebook page. Like I'm infamous for if there's like a mistake in the art, somebody's got two right hands or something or word balloons pointing to the wrong character. I always post it because I'm like, hey, it's somebody's job to make this correct. Somebody's getting a paycheck to make this proper and somebody dropped the ball. But there are so many moments in that Superman year one where you're like, how did nobody go, um, excuse me, Frank, 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 this maybe, maybe not that like, you know, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's a mess. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that in mind for, for when I read it, but your point is well taken, but you know, I was thinking about this because when this came out in 2005, we had endured the dark Knight strikes again. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, I still feel, and you tell me what you think is maybe you have a, a, a crisper memory of this. I don't know. Uh, but you know, I feel like at the time, between, you know, the whole idea behind all the all-star line, right? We like we, you know, we had this new publishing initiative that I had, you know, I laid out earlier, right? So we have the all-star line, we have Jim Lee hot off of Hush, Batman Hush. And as much as again, we had Dark Knight Strikes Again, which I don't think struck the right note for most fans of Dark Knight Returns, but at the same time, I still feel like for a lot of fans, it was like, oh, it's it's Frank Miller. It's year one, it's Dark Knight Returns. And I think that all uh, created an expectation on the readership as to what this book would be. And I think that was one of uh, the hurdles to to enjoying All-Star Batman and Robin, the boy wonder, because you read it, the first issue, but like, I mean, definitely the first issue, but especially in the, in the subsequent installments where it just really is not, it's not a traditional superhero story or a traditional no, Batman story. And it definitely doesn't fit into again year one or dark knight returns although i mean miller has maintained that he is effectively writing the same batman right across right. these stories which do you see that anywhere i mean i don't know no um the, i mean year one is a very different batman than you get in all-star batman the one in all-star batman and robin the boy wonder is closer to the dark knight returns batman angry bitter violent you know um but I, I, you know, it's such a perplexing thing. It's so fascinating. It's like at, at the store, I, I love to put in bad movies because I could put in, you know, I could put on the TV end game and people are like, oh man, I love this part. Oh, I love this or that. I much prefer to put on something terrible. And then people come like, what? Like, this is a more interesting conversation to, to dissect a bad movie. You can sit there and fawn over a good movie all day long and it, eh, we get it. It's good. I prefer somebody going, what, what, what were they thinking with that? And that's what I like about All-Star Batman and Robin, where it's just that kind of, was he intentionally doing this? Was he just kind of getting a little older and being like, I'm goddamn Frank Miller. I'll do whatever the hell I goddamn want. Like, it, and nobody in editorial, Bob Shrek, was like, hey, man, maybe, you know, this, we make, you know, merchandising and everything, movies, cartoons, toys out of this character, maybe don't have him calling, you know, Dick Grayson retarded. <laughs> like, like maybe not, you know, maybe t dial it back. So I, I would love to have seen 
those emails, you know, back and forth of like, oh, hey, Frank, so in this scene, uh, you got, you know, Black Canary, like, shoving a guy's wedding ring down his throat and, you know, like, like all this crazy stuff. I, I wonder if there was any editorial um, kind of, you know... You know, in, input. I mean, so this is, I have no inside knowledge from Brandon at all. Like he never talked about this. Call him up, get him on the phone, <laughs> Let's figure this out. But the sense that I've always gotten, it, it, just knowing the nature of this line and the creators involved, I've always kind of had, and, and looking at the finished product, I've always kind of been of the opinion that there really was, I, I think pretty much what they handed in was what we saw. That was kind of right. always what I've gotten. I want to say three nice things about All-Star <laughs> Batman and Robin. Because I, again... You've got three? Three nice things. One is the Everybody art. Everybody optimist. One is the yes. art. Everyone okay. likes the art. Jim Absolutely. Lee. All right. So sure. that we'll, we'll, that's quick. B- gorgeous art. I, you know, not a criticism to, to be had. Um, the other two things. One is that it's... um It, it moves. Like when I was, when I was doing my reread, um, I was actually... Time after time, I was actually surprised when I got to the end of the issue. I was like, oh, like that actually went fast. So... It's not a slog, which I'll give them that. And, and you know, for anyone who hasn't read it, uh, it wouldn't take you long to read the 10 issues. I mean, you could really bang it out in an hour or an hour and a half. Oh, I, mean, I did. I did the nine issues yeah. tonight in about an hour. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it definitely moves. And there's something to be said for that. I'll give them that. And here's the the most substantive uh, uh, compliment that I'll, that I'll give the book. I think that the heart of, of the idea behind this story that... Batman is is past year one, but he's early in his career and he's still figuring out how to be Batman and he's struggling and he's cracking. I think that's a really interesting idea. And, you know, for as, as outlandish as his behavior towards Dick Grayson is, you know, there are moments where, you know, we have Batman's internal internal monologue and there are moments where he questions himself. Right. He's like, what am I like? What am I doing to this? Yeah, kid? What am I doing to this kid? Yeah, right? This poor kid. You and, know? you know, there is a method to the madness because he, you know, is constantly berating, you know, Dick during this during this Batmobile ride and in the Batcave. But we know he leaves him there to starve. He goes, well, to, food will present itself yeah. like, you know, eat a bat or eat a it, rat. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's all to prevent you know, Dick from succumbing to and wallowing in and being defeated by his his grief, right? And it actually leads to a really beautiful moment at the end of issue nine, which I agree with you, actually works well enough to kind of conclude at least that chapter of the story where, you know, issue one ends with him grabbing Dick Grayson, because I, I think if you leave the Grayson off at the... <laughs> maybe isn't the most appropriate, right? We're going to get flagged. <laughs> Gra- yeah, explicit. Uh, you know, grabbing Dick Grayson, right, at, um, you know, after rescuing him from the cops um, and then leading him on this crazy adventure to the end of issue nine where he realizes, like, this kid needs to have a moment of, of grief and closure and he brings him to, mm-hmm. to the grave and, and they hug and it's like this beautiful moment. And so I think that, and this is what I liked about it. I think the heart of that is is a valid story to be told. But I think the problem, one of the problems, is that that got swallowed up in the larger story, which, uh, again, had all of the trappings of of a Sin City, you know, installment. And it was Frank Miller at his most Frank Miller. I mean, you know, corrupt <laughs> cops and and dirty streets and seedy bars and dames, like. It had all of that, and so everything around Batman was so heightened that I think, I think the effect of 
hey, this guy's struggling with being Batman and reaching out to this kid. I think that got swallowed up and it got lost because everything else was so heightened. Yeah, it, it was very much, I mean, what you're saying, I, I agree with that where, you know, there are points in the story where Batman's like, I can't let this kid grieve because once he comes to peace with this, he'll lose his edge. You know, he won't be ready for the fight. I can't let, I can't allow him the moment to really process what's happening. I need to throw him into this crazy world so I can hone him. Um, and then there are parts where Bruce's mask slips, where from Dick Grayson's perspective, his word balloons or whatever, you know, you see like, oh, you know, he's trying to do this Clint Eastwood voice. He goes, oh, for a second, his voice slipped into normal. And I, you know, like he, Dick Grayson recognizes that this guy's damaged. He's trying to do a thing. He's kind of halfway there, but the, you know, you see the, the cracks in the armor, you know, for, for Bruce Wayne. Um, but yeah, the things like leaving him in the Batcave and being like, oh, you'll find food. And then Alfred brings him a cheese, a bacon cheeseburger. And then Bruce gets mad. Like, why'd you feed him? And he's like, I'm, the kid's got to eat, man. He's not like a monster. Like, you know, there, there's a lot of interesting stuff like that. But I, I, they have those moments where they try to humanize Batman a bit. You know, he's definitely putting on an act. You could see, you know with the whole goddamn Batman, but they do have those moments where he reveals his, his softer side, you know, where he, he's having a hard time keeping up this facade, you know, for sure. I'm so glad yeah, you brought that up. Cause I, I think that is a nice moment. Uh, again, when the voice slips and, and, and Dick notes it. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So there are some nice touches. Again, I think the effect kind of gets lost because of how bonkers the overall story is. Uh, but there's some good stuff in there. Uh, let's take a 30 second commercial break and then we will uh, continue when we get back. Movie lovers should check out this family of film festivals. The Brightside Tavern Film Festival in Jersey City, the Hang On To Your Shorts Film Festival in Asbury Park, and the Point Lookout Film Festival on Long Island. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Also, be sure to listen to the podcasts hosted by the festival's organizer, C.J. Cullen. You can find the official Hang On To Your Shorts podcast, as well as the Cullen On Film podcast, via a shared universe network. And we're back, and we have yet another mask from Sean. Oh, and the mask is gone. <laughs> one of many. How much, I can't see through that one. Uh, there, there have been no cut. I'm not, I'm not planning to edit this, so we're, what you're hearing is, is, is exactly what we've been recording and filming. How much whiskey do you have left? Um, enough. I'm good. Okay. Uh, this, is being, this being the most wonderful time of the year, most of my customers are gifting me uh, with uh, either candy or alcohol. So it's, you know, death by a thousand cuts. It's going to be either diabetes or cirrhosis. We'll, we'll see what happens first. I know you said that you ju- like literally just finished your reread. Were you were you partaking during your, your reading or did you pour it for the recording? I'll never tell. I- I'll take no, that. I wasn't actually. No? I ate some, mac and, some vegan mac and cheese. Okay. Cause I because actually, I, I, when I did my reread like a week or so ago, I, I did pour myself, not nothing crazy because I had to keep my wits about me. I knew we sure. were going to be talking about this. <laughs> uh, but, I, and again, I, I enjoyed my reread. I was, a, I think I was able to, you know, en- enjoy it enough that I felt it was, it was worthwhile. And I'm glad we're doing this episode, like for whatever that's worth to you or, or to listeners. No, it's, it's all about the approach. If you approach it like, all right, this is ridiculous. You know, it's like when people watch WWE, they know it's over the top. They know it's scripted. They know like, but you watch it for the spectacle. And and you know what I mean? If you can enjoy it 
on the merits of just being this crazy ass Elseworlds B movie goddamn Batman. You can enjoy it. There are those moments, those weird chauvinistic moments and stuff where you're like, ooh, okay, you know, in this day and age, maybe that would be a little like, eh, you know, but but if you're ready for the ride, if you know what you're getting into, it's enjoyable. If you're like, here's Frank Miller being as Frank Miller as Frank Miller could ever Miller. <laughs> that's, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's that's it exactly. And I think like I, that's not what I was expecting and that's not what I was looking for when I read, like I remember when this came out, I remember being excited for it. I remember again. I, I love the idea of the All Star line. Uh, I had I was into Hush, and I was excited that Jim Lee was going to be doing the art for this. Like again, like I was there for it, and I remember. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Hush is overrated. I know. I know. Sorry, I know. Justin. I know if Justin hears this, he'll be upset with. Me. That's gonna, that's the subject of another <laughs> uh, book club yeah. episode, actually. But uh, but you know, so I like I was there for it, and. Uh, you know, again, I, I was disappointed by what we got at the time, but you're hundred percent right. And, and again, that's why I wanted to do this. Cause it's like, yeah, if you go in with the understanding that this is Batman by way of Sin City, you know, and you could kind of buy into that, I- I'm going to make, I'm going to make a comparison here and you'll roll your eyes for a second, but just bear with me. <laughs> it's, it reminds me in, a, in one very specific respect to Zack Snyder's films his dc films because i genuinely believe and i did ken and i ken marion and i did a massive epic uh i dis- can't wait to hear it discussion I haven't gotten, of this on yeah, digging I haven't for kryptonite yet, but i promise you i'm going to listen to this i i appreciate that uh so we did this huge digging for kryptonite episode about the films of Zack snyder and one thing that i i said multiple times throughout the episode was that i and i don't want i don't want this to get off track <laughs> But I, <laughs> no, I go for it. But I feel a, when don't we get off track? This true. is kind of what we do. That's <laughs> true. Uh, but I really feel like you know if you buy into same idea, right? If you buy into the idea that this is setting Superman in quote unquote the real world in modern times, uh, I feel like the choices that Snyder made were the appropriate choices for that story in that setting that and that world that he was creating. And so that's the specific comparison that I see here where it's like, yeah, if you can, if you can approach the story, like exactly like you said, right? Like this is Frank Miller at his most Frank Miller, all the trappings <laughs> of, of the Sin City stories, like, it, you know, there, and there's, and again, at the time, like it's tough to sort of reconcile that and accept that. But now knowing what it is, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of cool that there's basically a Sin City version of Batman that exists, you know, and at the time I, you nailed it. It is basically Sin City Batman, you know, yeah. except it has color. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> even even down to the cop cars and stuff, looking kind of retro. You know, um, I noticed that doing the reread tonight that a lot of the, the cars and the vehicles and things are they look you know vintage. It's not a modern. You know, the Batmobile is modern. Oh, sorry, the goddamn Batmobile is modern. But yeah, all the cop cars and stuff, even the the police uniforms, everything looks kind of like a throwback, you know? Yeah, exactly. So um, so anyway, I think that definitely helps in one's enjoyment if you can kind of buy into that. Uh, there's still more for us to unpack, and I want to make sure we get to all of your notes. But what did you think about his his take on the other DC heroes? Because there are there's one bit in particular that, man, it made me laugh, and I really appreciated it more now than I did before. Um, he just, does he hate these characters? <laughs> Superman's this aggro asshat. Wonder Woman is this angry pseudo-lesbian, apparently. 
Green Lantern, uh, Bruce's inner monologue is like, this guy's so dumb. This, if I had that power, you know what I would do? This guy's so dumb. Um, Plastic Man, you don't get much of Plastic Man. And he kind of behaves like you would expect Plastic Man to behave. But my God, is his take on those characters just mean-spirited. You know, people always say that Garth Ennis, when he was writing Punisher and stuff, and he brought in Wolverine and Spider-Man and Daredevil, that oh, Garth Ennis hates superheroes. And that's why he wrote The Boys, because he hates the concept of superheroes. But this book, holy crap. I mean, there's one thing in The Dark Knight Returns, Superman becomes kind of a shill for the government and whatnot, <laughs> you know. But he still does the right thing in the end. He realizes Bruce is still alive. Spoilers for a book from 1986. And he kind of like lets it go. He's like, All right, yeah, he's not really dead. I'm going to walk away. But in this book, holy crap, they're a bunch of jerks. <laughs> You're not wrong, but I, I don't know. I mean, and I guess it's the I guess it's debatable. Maybe we have our answer, but it's like, does Batman's view of these characters match Miller's? I guess that's the question, right? Well, the thing is, the scene with Wonder Woman meeting up with Superman, Plastic Man, and Green Lantern, that's not shown through Bruce's perspective. That's a great point. Yeah. They're meeting up. Out, so, so if that was shown, like, and he was watching them, I could see it like that's his idea of these people, of how they act. But that scene has nothing to do with him. He's nowhere near there. So the portrayal of those characters is entirely Frank Miller's choice. Like, this is how these people act. And, and um, it was unpleasant. Yeah, so you found it like you were you were kind of put off by his his take on the the proto Justice League. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> Fair enough. I, you know, it's it's funny. Like, like again, super, as you know, and any longtime listeners know, Superman's my favorite character. That being said, it did make me laugh the bit where uh, you know Vicky Vale is in the hospital and and you know she needs the help of this uh, specialist doctor and. Uh, Batman has Alfred call the Daily Planet, you know, has, has him call Clark, um, you know, basically to let him know, like, I know who you are. And <laughs> the shot of, the shot, this uh, panel of, uh, you know, Superman carrying the car as he's running across the ocean. Uh, I don't know, you know, it made me laugh. Yeah, because in this, yeah, in this book, Superman doesn't know yet that he can actually fly. Batman knows Superman right. can fly and makes some comment like that idiot doesn't even know he's capable of flight, you know? Yeah. That was a bit ridiculous. It was. But again, like, despite being the massive Superman fan that I am, like, I was still able to kind of find the humor in that. And and his view of Green Lantern, similarly, uh, it, it, it did make me laugh, this whole idea. Uh, we had a, a little technical glitch, but you're you're with us, Yeah. Yeah, we had a drop okay. out. No, you're fine. I'm here. We're all good. I was just going on and on, so it's it's fine. Ah. <laughs> so happened again. I, oh, we have another another Give little freeze here. No, please bear with us, folks. Sorry, guys. I live in Butler. The internet's terrible. It's quite all right. Listen, I hope that everyone appreciates. Uh, certainly, we appreciate you listening. You know, and or watching and. You know, I, I hope everyone takes into account that we are, you know, in, in the era of the pandemic and remote recording and dealing with Wi-Fi and we're, you know, we're, we're doing our best. But uh, can you hear me now? Um, yeah. Okay, good. All right. So we've made All it. Right. It's 42 minutes in and this is the first glitch during the recording that we've had. So I think that's, that's pretty, I'll take that's that as a bad. win. I'll take that yeah. as a win. So I will celebrate that with a sip of a Guinness. <laughs> go for it. I was going to say that, uh, <laughs> 
Batman's view of Green Lantern uh, did make me laugh. This whole idea of like this guy is like dumb as a potato. I think I think I think he says at some yeah, point. Yeah, that's he's, actually a quote. Yeah, <laughs> he's like he could create anything. He's creating like you know, f- you know, uh, flashlights and baseball egg, bats or whatever, egg beaters. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it leads again. I, I know I used the word bonkers before, but like it's this bonkers sequence where Batman and Robin paint everything, including themselves, yellow. <laughs> In order to neutralize Green Lantern. And it, again, it's like, it, it is absurd. But there's something very funny about it. And and I don't know. I guess I, I just like, I'm glad that that exists. Well, going back to earlier, I said the two main takeaways were the goddamn Batman. What are you dense? Are you retarded? And then Batman and Black Canary. The third, if there is a third, is that <laughs> sequence yeah. where they paint everything, including themselves, yellow. And then offer him lemonade. <laughs> just to really, just to really go one step over. Like, would you like some lemonade? And then, of course, Robin throat punches him, and they got to do a tracheotomy. And it's, it, yeah, it, it goes very Frank Miller. But yeah, that the the idea of like, all right, and, and Batman's inner monologue is something like, you know, there's this his one weakness is yellow. What the hell kind of cosmic beings would make this all powerful weapon, and then you know, make it? You know, maybe that's his hang up. I don't know, but yeah. The, the the scene of them just all in yellow is so stupid that I love it. Yeah, there's something uh, there's something amazing about that, and you know the fact that Robin goes too far, you know that does lead to that moment. I, I believe, if if, my mem- if memory serves, where he takes he realizes like, okay, like I've done wrong by this kid. Like he needs to have this moment uh, right. where he, he needs to go parents. grieve. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, you know, uh, like I keep saying, I, I think there's the, the germ of the idea is is an interesting one and one that I don't know that we've really seen fully explored. Uh, I, uh, like I said, I, I think it just kind of gets lost. But what else was on your list of notes? What other stuff did uh, what other stuff stood out? Uh, to well, you? real quick with the, the Green Lantern scene with the yellow room and everything, there is a moment where Robin steals the ring off of Hal's hand. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And but then years later, I think it was Jeff Johns did that. In Justice League number one, I think it was the new 52 or whatever, where Batman steals the ring. Oh, okay. Where him and Hal meet up in a sewer or something. And, you know, Hal's like, you don't even have powers. And and he's like, yeah, well, where's your ring? And it turns out Batman swiped his ring. I think that was probably lifted whole cloth from from All-Star where where Robin did that, you know, because... He's like, he's just a kid. He, what are you doing? It's crazy. He goes, yeah, where's your ring, tough guy? You know? And he looks at Robin's got it like, I stole your ring. Yeah. Uh, my other notes, it was basically page three is Vicky Vale in her, her bra and panties and stilettos while she's in her own apartment alone. Like, she goes, yeah, that's everybody does that. I'm having a date with Bruce Wayne over and over. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and she tries on multiple slutty outfits and stuff. Yeah. It, it's, it's such a misogynistic book. <laughs> Uh, they're at the circus and he's watching the flying Graysons and his inner monologue says, this brat is something brat. Why are you calling this kid a brat? Like he's, what has he done? To you? you don't even know the guy and you're calling him a brat. Like his, his go-to is like, oh, look at this brat. You know, it's I like, know. not I know. this kid, this youth, this it's immediately this brat has really got skills. Like, uh, all right. Judgmental jerk. <laughs> well, while you're on that scene, can I say two things real quick? One is I actually, I like the idea because we find out later that, uh, you know, Bruce was looking to draft someone into his war and he had, you know, Dick Grayson in mind. Of course, he wasn't planning to draft him until much later. And then the murder of his parents, you know, accelerated the timeline. But the idea that he was looking to, 
expand his army is kind of interesting. So I liked, I did like that. The other thing on an I don't, intentionally or unintentionally humorous, <laughs> I don't know if you were going to say this, but where he says to Vicky Vale, he's like, I've had my eye on this kid for a while. Yeah. And she's like, what? <laughs> she's like, what do you mean? Yeah. And he's like, oh, I have an eye for talent. It's like, I mean... <laughs> This yeah. eccentric millionaire no. is like uh that'll know. get you on to catch a predator pretty quickly. Yeah, that yeah, that uh, <laughs> uh that definitely stood out. Uh, yeah, and and Dick is what? Dick Grayson is 12 in this. They I make think, right? they make a point of that numerous times. Like okay. just like I'm having a date with Bruce Wayne like where Vicky Vale like re- repeats that to herself. Uh same thing like Dick Grayson age 12. Like that that okay. gets a lot. Okay, so of he's play. 12. So Bruce says I've had my eye on this kid for a while. Huh? How long have you been? <laughs> and how is he been on your radar? And what were your plans? Let's say his parents didn't get murdered. You're going to swoop in, wait till he turns 18, and then show up and be like, come with me, kid. You know, like, what? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the end game there? Like, what was. That's a good question, yeah. actually. Like, yeah, what was. Yeah, what was the plan there? Yeah, if, if the events didn't get accelerated by their murder, you know, the Flying Graysons. Or the dying Graysons, I guess, is more appropriate. But oh. yeah, what was what? I know. Look, allow me that. All right, it's all right. been a it's been a long year, my friend. I know that's true. <laughs> that's true. But yeah, what was his plan? And if anything, if anybody, why that kid? And what? Like, when were you planning on swooping in and being like, "Hey, man, want to meet the goddamn Batman?" <laughs> like, I don't get it. Can I say, I'm sorry, but while we're on yeah. the scene, because there was actually a lot in that in that sequence that jumped out at me. And this is the last thing, I promise. But it was that um, when the Graysons are murdered, like there's no hesitation from Bruce. Like he instantly is like, he doesn't know how to process this. Like I gotta, I gotta move. And I thought that was interesting. And it, again, obviously from Bruce's own experience, like he he knows 100% what, what Dick is going through. So I, I did mm-hmm. like that as well. Well, here's a question for you. Yeah. You're much smarter than me. Maybe you can answer this. It's revealed that the guy hired to kill the Graysons was hired by the Joker. Yeah. Who also in a very misogynistic scene murders the chick in the hotel room. That that was uncomfortable. Um, and then has the, the Nazi lady with the Nazi boobs clean it up. Like, yeah, creepy. But why did the Joker hire Jocko Boy? I forget the guy's name. Something like that. Why? Was he hired to kill the Graces? Did, I didn't, like you said, I didn't read that final, quote unquote, final issue. Was that no. any part of it? It was not resolved. Oh. I, you know, and I know we're jumping ahead to the end, but that's uh, the, that's the end. Right. I mean, it's, you know. It's like, <laughs> uh, no, so. You know what? You and I should yeah. team up. I draw a little. I mean, I'm not very good. We, we could make the definitive ending to all-star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder. We'll just we'll just take, pick it up where it left off. We'll come to a conclusion. Oh, that'd be great, actually. Yeah, All Star Batman wait, and wait, Robin. Can we the... afford Tom Rainey? I'm friends with him. We can have Tom Rainey draw. You are close personal <laughs> friends with with comic close book artist Tom Rainey. All Star Batman and Robin, Let's the boy wonder, the goddamn finale. I think <laughs> the goddamn finale. See, it sells itself. Yeah, I mean, we might get hit with a lawsuit from uh, AT and T, uh, but <laughs> I got a lawyer. I know a guy. Oh, wait a minute. I know you. That's true. So yeah, well, but what was I going to say? Ah, I fiction can't be sued, can it? It's fanfic. Oh, this is what I was going to say. So with the okay. so Sorry. no, the final Sorry issue, the, the final issue does not resolve this. So uh, the issue that introduces the Joker, I think it's that issue. He approaches Catwoman to team up. Mm-hmm. Is that the same issue, right? <clears throat> so in issue ten, the you know would be finale, 
uh, what ended up being the finale, uh, Batman finds Wonder Woman, uh, like in really bad shape, like in the, uh, in the, uh, remains of like one of his old bat caves. Uh, but we don't know anything about what happened. And so I assume that was part of the story to be told. So anyway, to answer your question, it's like, no, like we never find out why <laughs> the, the Joker, Joker hired a trigger man to kill the Waynes. Right. And, and apparently he also I mean, had to kill the, the Graysons. I'm sorry to kill. Right. To kill the Graysons, and I mean, apparently he also had all these cops in his pocket as well, right? Because, I mean, that's the whole thing, right? The Graysons get shot dead, which that too, I don't know if that's on your notes, but uh, typically, right, the, the yeah, there you go, right? Right there. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the change to how they how they die, what did you think about that? The change to what? To how the, the Graysons are murdered. Um, You know, it paints most of the Gotham cops as dirty, you know, as on the take. Uh, they take Robin to the Gulch or whatever it's called to ostensibly kill him. Um, one of them slaps Vicky Vale for being too nosy, which again, in this day and age, does not, you know, it, it didn't age well. Um, and then, you know, maybe you can answer this because I read through it twice just to see if I missed something. Alfred and Vicky are in the, the limo. <laughs> She's driving. They're chasing the cops who have Dick Grayson. The goddamn Batmobile slices through a cop car. I would imagine. Oh, you frozen. I don't know if you can hear me, but you, you froze there for a second. Please bear with us folks. Oh yeah. There. I'm sorry, man. No, it's, you know. don't apologize. Okay. All right. So Vicky's driving the yep. limo, Alfred's passenger. Uh, they go to chase the cops who have they, taken Dick Grayson to murder him in the woods. The Batmobile slices through the cop car, probably killing the f- couple officers in there. But then it cuts to Vicky being wounded or collarbones broken and this and that. And Alfred's tending her wounds. They didn't show the limo crashing. No. So what happened off panel where all of a sudden Vicky's in the hospital. And that's when, you know, yeah, Bruce is like, go call Clark Kent and we'll get the doctor here. But they didn't show any of that. Like, it seems like sloppy storytelling. Like, there was no scene of that limo crashing. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I had the same thought, and I, I went back to the first issue as well, and I'm like, did I miss something? And so the fact that you had the same takeaway, no, I mean, I think it was just like they had a car accident off panel. Off but, panel, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, what, what call, I mean, yeah, I don't know, that was, that was a very odd choice, but I had the same thought process you did, and I went back, and I was like, uh, did I miss something? But apparently not. Uh, yeah, because the scene where the Batmobile crashes through a cop car i was like oh is was that the limo did he just crash through his own limo and it wasn't it was the cop car so right. i don't know what the hell yeah i i don't know again edit, that's the thing where editorial if they were doing their job would have been like um frank um there's are we missing a page is there something that you know what? yeah brandon what the hell brandon come on man get it together i just think we didn't i had one job just the one <laughs> we just didn't get it you don't get it this is the thing yeah. sean Four-dimensional, five-dimensional chess. That's Listen, what it is. It's, you just don't understand how car accidents happen, you know, without any <laughs> any explanation. I don't. Brandon, Brandon might actually listen or, or watch, and if he does, uh, you know, uh, hello. We're just busting your balls, pal. Yeah, we like it. <laughs> it, it. It's all it's all in good fun. And actually, Brandon, if you have an explanation, I, I would be happy to hear it. Honestly. What's what's amazing? I don't know. Sean probably can't hear me right now, but obviously listeners can. And Sean is frozen mid sip 
of his whiskey, which I feel like if they're, if okay, <laughs> he's back, Sean, I was saying that you, I'm you back. froze, you froze mid sip. And I was about to say that if there were any image that encapsulated <laughs> you, <laughs> I feel like that's How dare it. you, sir. <laughs> you know, we made it so like, we're almost an hour in. we've made it so far with, with just these last couple of, uh, of, of, uh, technical glitches. I don't feel like we should push our luck too much longer. Uh, okay. Can I, can I throw a couple of more points going, though? Keep going. Okay. So black canary, we need to talk about black. Canary. Yeah, we do have to talk about black canary. There's an issue there. There there's all right. She's working at a bar called black canary. Two patrons walk in disgusting on the way. You got to see this chick. You know, she's so hot. She's the new black canary. She's behind the bar in a mask and fishnets and her booties popping and all that. And all the guys are trying to get handy and call her sweet cakes or whatever and everything. And the, the captions, I guess they're told from Bruce's point of view, even though he's not there. And, and we, we lost Sean again. Let's see. I'm sure he'll be back ever so shortly. Am I back? You're back. You're back. <laughs> I'm back. You're back. back. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> Wait, man, you're frozen. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> terrific. Now I'm I'm frozen to Sean, but of course, listeners and viewers, you you can uh, you can see and hear me. Uh, we're we're I, thank you for bearing with us. We are we are nearing the end of of this episode here, and uh, I hope that the technical glitches haven't been too burdensome and haven't taken you out of the conversation too much. I was apologizing. So I was apologizing to our audience. It just happened again. Damn it. Well, I think we might be, uh, I mean, we are, we are kind of, uh, we're, again, we're just under an hour here. So I think we are coming close to the end of, of our episode here. I don't know. In the future, we might have to do these from Fat Moose where it seems like the Wi-Fi might be a little, cause we've, we did at least one from there. We did at least one podcast from Fat Moose. I think the Wi-Fi is a little more reliable there. We might have to do that for future installments. Yeah, I agree. Although I can't drink there because I have to drive home. <laughs> Will you pay for my Uber? <laughs> I th Yeah, you know what? Fine. I think, you know, listen, if enough people sign up for the Patreon, patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato, uh, if enough people do the Patreon, uh, you know, we can spring, we can spring for an Uber for Sean so that he can have his whiskey uh, and, and we can do these, these uh, podcast episodes. Uh, so you were talking about right. Black Canary, right? And the sequence uh, in the bar where... It's very chaotic. I think between the art and the and the script, they do they, they do a good job of conveying like the 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 chaos of the scene, right? Where she's constantly being hit on, and she finally snaps and just beats the crap out of everybody, including, like you said, those two guys. One of whom is, uh, you know, visually at least uh, Oliver Queen, not yeah, by name, and but one of whom in the panel where they're entering the bar refers to the other character as Dorothy. I don't yes. know if that's a slur, like you're a woman, or is the guy's name Dorothy? I'm not, because yeah. it's not in quotes. And I'm like, okay, Dorothy. Like, I don't, I don't know what was going on there. I don't know, but yeah, she's this. So, like, yeah, this black canary is this bartendress, this Irish lass uh, who just finally has enough with all of these men, and and is inspired by Batman, right? So we see this with both Black Canary and Batgirl, right? 
like two characters. Right. Oh like, yeah, Batgirl. And both, fema- both female characters, like both young women in Gotham who are inspired by Batman and put on costumes and, and go fight crime. But I think the costume for Black Canary was part of the job because the bar is called the Black Canary. Like, I don't know because the guy says, oh, you got to see the new Black Canary. Apparently, maybe that's like a Hooters where you got to wear a certain costume, you know. Um, but the uh, one of the captions, and again, I think it's Bruce giving his take on Black Canary, which is weird because he's not there. He says, maybe she's had enough, you know, maybe she can't take it anymore. Maybe it's the wrong time of the month. I had them on like, oh, Frank, come on, man. <laughs> you know, like trying to play it into, you know, she's, she's menstrual, like, and that's why she's going to lose her temper. Like just felt so anachronistic. Like, just like, dude, no, it's not a thing. <laughs> like, stop it. You know, it's a good point. And it's like, as much as that was 15 years ago, I feel like even then, you know, that was you know, the wrong note to, to strike and was just inappropriate mm-hmm. on, on multiple levels. Well, and another thing, you know, um, they use the word queer. Yeah. Detrimentally many times through the series and like, wow, like, all right, it was 15 years ago, whatever. But like, was that okay then to be like, Oh, that's so queer. Oh, you call it the Batmobile. That's so queer. It's like, okay. All right, Frank. <laughs> yeah. I know there are again and, and no no arguments here. Like there's plenty in this story that that is problematic, certainly by today's standards, and I think even probably within the time that it even came then. out. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I yeah, I mean, I feel like even that time, uh, you know, there was there was plenty of commentary about that. I mean, that's the you know, it's interesting because you know I mentioned the Zack Snyder movies before. Uh, even though there are many detractors, there are diehard fans as well. In the little bit of research that I did on All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder, like, it's not really mixed. I feel like the vast majority of, like, critical and fan commentary on this is negative. I mean, like, do you know of anyone, like, who's come through the shop or something or anyone you'd happen who's like, oh, it's amazing? No. The only people who like it like it ironically. You know what I mean? Like, this is so ridiculous that I love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But speaking of Zack Snyder, um, there's going to be a day. I guarantee it, man. You're a go-getter. There's going to be a day where you interview with Zack Snyder for your podcast. I'm telling you, man. You're like, you're so pro-Zack, you know? Pro-Zack. Oh, shit. But um, <laughs> you're such a fan that I think there's going to come a time as you build your empire, there will be a day where the flat squirrel meets up with Zack Snyder. I, I would love that. Uh, that would be great. I'm uh, going to work on that for you. Because, you know, knowing all of my huge connections in the industry. <laughs> listen, you start with Tom Rainey and, and off. Does Tom Rainey listen to, when you do these podcasts? I don't know. He was in a couple weeks ago because I ordered the IDW artist edition of Michael Golden's Micronauts. He's a huge Michael Golden fan. He came in. I'm, I made him sign a bunch of books for me and stuff. But uh, maybe, yeah, maybe Tom is my uh, my in, you know. I can just like, hey. Me and Tom are tight. How, how do I get to meet Zack Snyder and bring him over to Anthony? <laughs> yeah, I'll do what I can. Look, I got a lot of stuff going on, but I'll, on your behalf, I, I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, so anyway, like with Black Canary, like yeah, it's a definitely a different take on Black Canary, and yes, it leads to this. Doc, she's an angry, horny Irish lass. Yeah, where there's a moment where Batman hears her accent, so it sounds like she's from blah blah blah, like a specific part of Ireland. I'm like, okay, the Batman's the world's greatest detective. He probably could make out her accent. Yeah. 
But later on, there's a scene where Robin hears Alfred. He hears Alfred's voice and then picks out, oh, he sounds like he's from Kensington or, you know, like a, a little province of, of England. It's like, how does this 12-year-old kid, how can he place it? Like, you could hear the accent, but like, all right, he sounds British. How do you go, well, he sounds like he's from this exact part of Britain. Like, no, I'm sorry. Dick Grayson's a talented kid, but no, well, <laughs> he can't. Listen, Dick Grayson, age 12, he's... <laughs> He's traveled the world with the circus. I I, I kind of chalked that up but to come like, come on, man, seriously. Ah, uh, you know, I, I, it's a Frank good, Miller, ladies and gentlemen, Frank Miller. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God bless him. You know, and we could circle back to Black Canary, but one other thing that I want to make sure we mentioned, because again, I think this was an interesting idea. Um, like I said, this is definitely a more unhinged Batman. Like he seems to be being crushed by the weight of his crusade. Uh, but we also see him delighting in the violence that he inflicts on criminals in a way that I don't know that you you know see in other stories. I mean, there's that sequence in particular. Uh, I think it's like shortly before he encounters encounters <laughs> Black Canary, where <laughs> right where he saves a woman from from a group of of would be rapists. And I mean, he again like he really relishes in the in the pain and the damage that he inflicts on them. Yeah, he um. He chooses to laugh on his way down into the alley. And he says something like, oh, you know, I, I put on the laugh. It always scares them. And he breaks the guy's arm, says something about you're never going to feel your hand properly again. And then, yeah, he, he beats the hell out of a couple guys. Then the, the chick he rescues kicks the guy and he congratulates her like, yeah, good job. And, you know, he goes, do me a favor. Don't call an ambulance. Let them deal with it. And, yeah, he he's very – um He's a sadist. <laughs> He's just. Yeah. Now it's different in the dark Knight returns 1986. You were, but a baby then, right? What, what year were you? I, I was not even born. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Now I feel really old, but he, he has that inner monologue where he's like, you know, I know like, you know, X amount of ways to take this guy down. A few of them hurt this one. He's vicious, but he doesn't revel in it. He just understands, I need to do this. This is like, I I need to hurt these people to take them. But yeah, in, in the all-star Batman and Robin, the boy wonder, he relishes it. Yeah. Like he, you know, he doesn't go for the easy takedown. He wants to leave everybody crippled forever, you know? that Like the guy who kills the Graysons, first thing he does, he, he hits him with a batarang that has snake poison on it. Yeah, right. Which then causes him to have hallucinations for the rest of his Forever, life. Yeah, yeah. Because that's how snake poison works. You know, you know. You, if anything, you and I, being experts in snake poison, that's how that works. <laughs> yeah, snake poison and the uh, the origin of accents. We know exactly where everyone's from. Yeah. yeah, I can tell you exactly where you're from and what kind of snake poison will do what to you. Exactly. And what kind of whiskey you like? Those are that's the very specific skill sets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I know. Like it's uh, again, like it's not. I I don't know that there's any other Batman story, <laughs> you know, or any other you know take on Batman that's in in line with this. And I, you know, this is probably being too generous, but I'll, I'll offer this. You know, we don't know where this story was going, and I think that's one of the frustrations with reading it, and also with having this discussion. Like we are, we're limited by the fact that. You know, we have nine in your case and, ten, and in my case, 10 issues, right? And, you know, it's Not like, all of us can afford the absolute editions of no, everything. I don't have the, I don't have, <laughs> listen, I would, 
No, I would not buy the absolute edition of this. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I read, I, I, I read it. Yeah, I got to cancel my Amazon order for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, heading your way. <laughs> but you know, we don't know where the story was going. I mean, you know, just a, a quick refresher. Uh, after it stalled out at issue 10 and then the all-star line itself never, never went forward. It was this and Superman. That was it. Uh, I think it was like 2010 or so. It was announced that Miller and Lee were going to do a six issue miniseries called dark Knight boy wonder, which was going to resolve this storyline. So, I don't remember that at all. Oh, I remember. Cause I, you know, again, like even though I was really not a fan as this was coming out. It's like, I was kind of curious. And just from a publishing point of view, it was so odd to me that like, it, you know, it, it would just go unfinished. And so they announced that they were doing the six issue uh, conclusion and that never materialized. So there were at least six more issues intended to wrap up the story. And it's like, you know, if I'm being generous, like, yeah, maybe this was all going to pay off. And we, by the end of the story, we were going to get back to, a more recognizable version of Batman. That that might be too generous, but I just want to are least, ever the optimist. <laughs> you know, I, I just put it out there because I I don't know. Maybe it's at least a, a a possibility. But now, the original series was supposed to be twelve issues, right? That's the thing. I don't know. I think right because like that's what Superman was. That's what Superman was. Yeah. So if they crapped out at ten, then it was going to take them another six to finish. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, they had, yeah. you know, they certainly had the business, right? Like you said, of what, you know, what the Joker's motivation was in taking out the Graysons, right? Right. Um, and then, yeah, we had, you know, Black Canary introduced. We had Batgirl introduced. You know, Jim Gordon kind of came into play later on in issue 10, which I know you didn't have, but like he he had a larger role in that issue where his wife uh, gets into an accident. She's like driving drunk and he's at the hospital and he's calling, he's calling Sarah Essen. And that's kind of, that's the last page is him on the phone with, with Sarah as his wife is in the hospital. You know, I, I may own issue 10. You probably do that. Probably. Yeah. I you know probably that read issue. it years ago and it's in storage in my sister's basement in yeah. Branchburg. But yeah, the trade that I ordered only goes up to nine, which honestly it's probably a better conclusion yeah you know it is because it ends that's probably why they did it you know just to be like hey close enough we tried to be honest i think that happened because if again i'm not i'd have to double check this i think the trade came out i think before issue 10 like to issue like again these issues were so delayed <laughs> that yeah. i think the intention was like okay issue 10 will be the start of all-star batman and robin volume two you know trade paperback and that just right. never happened but yeah you know like we said and, and it's actually a nice full circle moment again going from that moment where he he grabs dick grace into the moment at the at the grave even though you don't get the the resolution as to like what why his parents were murdered uh, what the Joker's involvement, motivation were. You don't get any of that, but the sort of the emotional resolution of like, okay, I, I need to, I need to work with this kid uh, a little right. bit. Right, like At the, the story that. is more Robin's journey than Batman's. Right. Yeah. Batman doesn't change at all. You know, Robin, you know, he, he gets scooped up as, as a, a traumatized kid and then exposed to this crazy world and then, dives head first in where the point he almost kills green lantern and then realizes oh that's probably not a good thing and then gets to grieve I, it's not a great book <laughs> to this day but i'm trying to give it some sort of positive spin you know you know what it, it might not deserve it to be honest and i you know i i don't it's <laughs> it's not like you know i don't want to i don't want to paint this as like oh i have such an agenda you know, with this book, it was really just, I was always curious between, you know, Brandon's claims, 
you know, and, and just, you know, the, with some time and, and distance, I was just kind of always curious, like, I don't know, is there something worthwhile about this? And uh, again, I'll say one final time, like, again, I think there were some really interesting ideas. I, I don't know how well they were necessarily executed. And I do think a lot got lost in the story as a whole being as over the top as, as it was. I think, you know, if, if the rest of the story had been a little bit more grand, I, I think there's, you know, this, this could have been stronger and, and maybe been remembered better by people, but uh, it just was not to be. It, it's, it's certainly remembered by people. <laughs> That's true. Not remembered well, but remember the, more of a cautionary tale. Than <laughs> you know, the, the, the scene between Batman and black Canary where they, uh, they have their moment on the, on the docks. Did that? It's called coitus. Yeah. Did that not remind <laughs> you of the, the scene from the Batman Killing Joke animated movie with Batman and Ugh. Batgirl. It was very reminiscent. Get- I mean, and obviously this came yeah. first. Very reminiscent of that. Don't get me started on that nonsense. I know. What a what a dumb idea. I know. Yeah, like, eh. But yeah, the the Batman Black Canary. Like, honestly, that's one of the things that bothers me the least about the book is two consenting adults. Yeah. Who you know are wearing costumes and have sex on a dock in the rain? Oh, okay, cool. You know, there's there's no misogyny, there's no violence, there's no goddamn Batman moments, or you know, but it still r- rings falsely character-wise. But it's possibly again, it's one of the things people always bring up. But it's one of the, the on the list of issues I have with these books. It's further down the list. It's like, hey, it's just. Two freaks getting a freak on, whatever. Let them do it, you know. It's true. Back condom, hopefully, you know. Uh, you know. You know he's got to have a couple condoms in that utility belt. I mean, just speaking as adults. You would think if he's it. got a contingency for everything. It's true. He's probably carrying some condoms. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I feel like even if <laughs> sorry, sorry, man. I, no, it's I'll go with long it. Year. I feel like even if even if he doesn't, I feel like Alfred would throw a couple in there. Don't you think? Yeah, right? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like Alfred. <laughs> like, ah, oh, Bruce. Like, here's a cucumber sandwich and some condoms. <laughs> just just to get you through the night. <laughs> hey, uh, not to change the subject, but on the note of Alfred, there's actually, so, you know, we get, we do get internal monologues, like, from a bunch of characters, Batman and Dick and Vicky Vale right. and Batgirl and Black Canary, like, and Jim Gordon and Alfred <laughs> briefly. But uh, there, it is an interesting sequence where Alfred, I think he's, like hitting a punching bag, right? Am I remembering this? Right. Right. Shirtless, sexy Alfred. Yeah, Alfred's pretty. And there's that moment he's very where, toned. where he's holding <laughs> in the, going back to earlier in the series, when, after the car accident that we didn't see, when he's holding Vicky Vale. He, mm-hmm. I mean, he's like a, like a movie star. Um, yeah. Yeah. For Alfred's sure. pretty hot. For, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what was I going to say? Hence all the condoms. I mean, Alfred carries them. He puts them in Bruce's belt. I mean, they're yeah. sexy guys. You know, you never know when an opportunity is going to present itself. <laughs> yeah, well, apparently down at the docks fighting crime. <laughs> <laughs> but Al- there, there's that interesting moment with Alfred where he's hitting the punching bag and he's reflecting on Bruce and, and Bruce as a kid. And this idea like Bruce was always like, you know, always kind of had this. Uh, fire within him I, and and it leads to this moment where where alfred speculates that it wasn't until like martha's last moment like her last breath where she saw she looked over at bruce and like saw bruce's true nature i'm sorry who who looked at bruce the second i said martha i knew where this was going what what yeah why'd you say that yeah why'd yeah. you say that me? that's his mother <laughs> 
Sorry, man. It's all right. Some things are too I easy. Walked I, right into, I walked right into that. I, I admit it. Uh, but I, uh, that but was, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. He says that Martha's like dying breath. She saw Bruce turn into a monster or whatever, or turn into dark. A demon, like, I think. The yeah. last thing she saw on, yeah, on last thing Martha saw on Earth was her son become this vengeance demon or whatever. I forget the actual wording of it, but uh, that was uh, unnecessary. To see, like, you know, as Martha dies, she watches her son become, like, this grim, I don't know, whatever. And then there's a line from Bruce, like, something like, I touched my mother's breast. Awkward enough. And then the next line is like, you know, and there was blood, and I realized she wasn't breathing, and there was no heartbeat. But there's just literally a caption that says, I touched my mother's breast. Like, okay. You could do better than that. Like that, that caption. If I was to take just one picture of that caption and put it on Facebook, we'd be like, what the hell book are you reading? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, you know, your point about, you know, uh, you know, being put off about that notion that that was Martha's last thought, right? Like, I get what you're saying. And, and I suppose, you know, if, if you asked me to assemble my, like, all-time definitive Batman origin, would that be part of it? No, probably not. But again, like, I think it's an interesting idea, you know, and, and, you know, reading the book now, like just kind of knowing what it is and accepting that it really is just kind of like this weird footnote of a Batman story, really, right? That is unresolved part of a now defunct, you know, publishing line. Like, I, you know, it didn't really go anywhere. So, but I don't know, like, again, I thought that was an interesting idea, but yeah, I mean, is that, you know, do I, do I like the idea that that's this poor woman's last thought on earth? You know, no, not necessarily. Yeah, is my son has just become a monster. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> but again, it was an interesting idea. And I, like Martha's last vision on Earth was watching her little boy become this grim specter of vengeance. And like, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. Although it's very I, Zack Snyder-y. But, <laughs> you know, I don't, and maybe I read this, maybe I misread this, but I guess I kind of, Alfred's whole whole monologue about that, I kind of took it, not to say that Bruce was always a demon, but that, he, again, he, like, because Alfred talks about, like, a Bruce was always, like, running off and getting into stuff, and, uh, you know, Martha yeah, was, was, like, always a daredevil. So I kind of took it more as, like, not not so much that, like, oh, in her last breath, she sees him become this monster, but it's, like, in that one moment, she at least got to see, like, who he truly is. I don't know if that's, you know, enough of a difference if that makes it any more palatable, but that was that was kind of my reading of it, at least. Yeah, that's a reach in my opinion. Fair enough. That's fair enough. <laughs> He's the goddamn Bruce Wayne. No. Yeah. Um, what else is on your list? Yeah. Though? God, what, what, what a fascinating study though <laughs> into the mind of Frank Miller is this thing? Like, I know. It's really so like you could hand this to a psychologist and be like, all right, I can figure this guy out by reading this thing, you know, and immediately prescribe heavy medication. Um, I don't have much left on the list. I, I put the, um, I kind of, I crapped out. I let, I put a lot of notes in early on and then just realized I was pressed for time. Um, yeah, we covered that. We covered that. We covered that. We covered that. Oh, there's a, a line in there early on, maybe issue two or three where they're still in the Batmobile because they're in the goddamn Batmobile for several issues. <laughs> Batman makes some reference like, you want to get nutty, we'll get nutty, you know, and, and then he turns it into a jet and then he turns into a sub. But I was wondering if that was like a reference to the 89 Batman, like, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts, you know? Oh, yeah, maybe. 
Maybe. I felt like maybe that was Miller just giving a little nod to the Keaton Batman, you know. I could see that. Goddamn Keaton. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> Aside from that, yeah, I, I was under the gun. I was like, damn, I got to finish this book quick. So I, I crapped out on the notes pretty early on. But yeah. uh, I, I appreciate you inviting me to do this because it was so fascinating. I haven't read this book since it was coming out on a monthly basis, which, you know, it obviously was not. So it's been a long time. Um, but what, good or bad, it's going to stand the test of time as this interesting footnote to comic book history of like, what what happens when you give an aging crazy man carte blanche to do whatever the hell he wants and then get uh, one of the top artists to make it beautiful? It's like a lot of weird, cringy moments, beautifully illustrated. But, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, I think I need to order a couple for the store. Just it, it's something kind of thing. We're like, oh, you want to read something nuts? You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts here. Buy this. <laughs> so, I, no, I mean, I like I get what you're. I was actually going to ask if you were going to hang on to the trade that you ordered for this reread, or if you were going to bring it to the store. Well, I I read it and I kind of bent the spine back a little. Oh, so all, right. I mean, all right. Yeah. So I don't I don't like selling you know repurposed books mostly, except for yours. Thanks. Which, by the way, I, I gotta I gotta send you a check at some point. But um, that one I, I may just keep and just order one or two. Now, I mean, you know, everything's screwed up with DC. You know, switching from Diamond to UCS now to Lunar, and so if I can get more, I may get a couple for the shop because it's one of those things that it's so silly that it's become a part of history. It behooves me to have a few copies at the store, you know. Yeah, I actually think. Because I, I know there there are a bunch of Fat Moose folks who who follow the stuff that I do, which I very much appreciate. And I know, you know, you have very loyal customers. I'm sure people will listen and, and watch this because you're on it. I have a feeling you might, maybe you'll move a couple of copies because of this podcast. That would be cool. I hope so. I hope so. I feel bad if you would, yeah. I feel bad if you order something. Yeah, I ordered there. a case. <laughs> Got 52 copies. Of, no, I, um, I did my first lunar order a couple weeks ago. And I got my final UCS order last week, which was very costly. And it turns out it's because they shipped two weeks worth of stuff in one week. So I think UCS is done. I'm hoping there's no hiccup in deliveries and, and my lunar stuff goes through. I, I really need to check tomorrow morning. Um, I should have checked today, but I was busy doing Christmas shopping and stuff and reading the goddamn Batman. You keep dating this episode. People are going to be hearing <laughs> I don't this care. in, in Who cares? 2021. I care. gonna... Look, <laughs> I know it is right. December 21st, <laughs> Yes, 2020, right? Is yeah, it? That, that is Holy when we are crap. recording this. This is <laughs> all right. Look, we'll, we'll peel back the curtain here. So this is the first episode of my comic shop book club to be recorded. I haven't decided yet what in what order I will release them because I'm recording a bunch of of a bunch I mean a, a handful uh, of these book club episodes before any of them start in mid January so we'll kind of I don't know which one is gonna which one is gonna go first it, it very it may very well be this one because I've had a this lot of this one fun. should go first second and third oh we should just just keep <laughs> this this should be just every week be like listen to this again look yeah. how look how great this is <laughs> or i mean you know we've been going it's been an hour and 20 minutes i mean we can i can break wow. it up we can make it a, a three-parter you know let's do a marathon what's the longest podcast ever recorded let's do that i mean joe rogan's podcasts are like well <laughs> over three hours so you know yeah but he's joe rogan 
I know I'm no Joe Rogan, so I I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, there's not there's not a dissimilar you know semblance there. I mean, you got a, a Rogan esque thing. You work out, you I, know. I mean, I don't know. We have we use the same microphones. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. See, I, yeah, I'm using this crappy these little headphones. I should really, you know. Well, if you invite me back on more podcasts, I will I will up my game. I promise. I mean, honestly, it's like I would. I, you know, I would love to have you on more book club podcasts, but it's like, I know how busy you are, even this, but I figured this was 10, nine issues. So I figured, <laughs> how dare you? I figured this was, I figured this was uh doable enough, but it's like, you know, I don't want to, I, I, well, I know, you I know, know you would tell me if it's too much, but it's like, I don't want to burden you with too many reading projects. Well, remember our no man's land podcast where yes. I only read like the first third. I know, but it's okay. Well, look, I was able to bullshit my way through the rest of it. It was fine. And, you know, we had Scott on for that episode. This was That's great. Scott did his homework, man. He he had notes. He had post-its. He, yeah, he, he's yeah. a good dude. Yeah, Scott was I amazing. Kinda, I'm more of the kind of make it up as you go sort of guy. That's, you know. But it were, and honestly, that was... That was one of the reasons why I invited you to do this one because I was I said because again I I invited you and I decided I was doing this episode and I invited you before I did my reread so I had no idea what my take was going to be all these years later and I figured I was like you know what it's like if nothing else even if we end up just like bagging on this comic for an hour it's like it'll be fun like I so I knew yeah, it would be a good time it, we gave it, it the 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 praise it deserves on those small things that deserve phrase yeah i like i said i found some things to enjoy it was a quick read uh you know I, you know would i be revisiting this would i be if i if i still had a comic shop would i be handing this to people no probably are you gonna not. give this to milo when he's old enough no i don't think this is something that i would pass on to my son i mean i you like know milo you're seven years old now read this <laughs> yeah, no, not 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 so much. Uh, and and you know, I think that's that's unfortunate, right? Because I think that was the intention with this book. Oh, one last thing though, before we go, yeah, because um, I actually I came across. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm I'm out of whiskey, so I know, yeah, we got to wrap done. it up. I know, soon. I know. Okay, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I came across a Twitter thread not too long ago about All Star Batman and Robin. And sort of the gist of it was like, hey, like it's not great, but there's some there's some stuff to enjoy with it. Someone, mm -hmm. someone in the in the replies brought up an interesting idea, and I wanted to pose this to you. We're all in agreement, right? Jim Lee is an amazing artist, and his work in this is beautiful. No arguments. There. Absolutely. At the same time, do you think that, his, you know, his selection as the artist like contributed to that expectation that people had that this was going to be a more like straightforward traditional superhero story like do you think maybe they should have gone with whether i mean I, whether it was miller himself drawing it or someone else to kind of like I don't know, guide you sort of to, or to kind of just like clue you in that like this is not this is not the Canon, type of batman yeah. story that you think you're getting you know who they should have gotten who tom rainey of course <laughs> I'm, I'm beholden to say that I love obviously tom. no but as far as somebody to differentiate it, because, yeah, at the time, Jim Lee was very much known for standard issue issues. Like, he was the, like, traditional comic book guy, you know. I don't know who they could have gotten. I mean, if Miller drew it, again, Miller, he's a legend. It probably would look like crap on toast if Miller drew it. His style's gotten very loose, you know. Lynn Varley's colors help a lot when he draws something, but his style, I don't know who they could have gotten on the art to make it 
differentiate itself as like, hey, this is kind of a weird postmodern angry old man take on Batman. <laughs> you know, my go-to artist on anything aside from Tom Rainey, you know, two of my favorite artists in the world are, are Adams, who again is very traditional in his style, and Bill Sienkiewicz, who is very not traditional in his style. Uh, I don't know if either of those would have worked you know, I, I think the smart the smart play was was Jim Lee. I mean, he's a superstar. You know, he's top tier um, in popularity and everything. So I don't know what they could have done. I don't think DC knew what they were getting. I think those those pages and those scripts came in. They were like, oh, uh, well, it's Frank Miller. I mean, okay, I guess we're gonna do this now. You know. Yeah, I really, yeah, we we got to talk to uh, your buddy and, and find out what was actually going on behind the scenes. Like, were they giving Frank Miller notes? Like, hey, man, not for nothing. You know, it again, I don't know. Uh, my gut, if I had to put money on it, I would say no. But it's like, you wonder, for argument's sake, just as a thought exercise, let's say they <laughs> did. Like, what was the starting point? If this is what you ended up with, it's like, <laughs> like, what the hell <laughs> was yeah. in there? Dear Mr. Miller, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dear esteemed Mr. Miller, what the hell is this? And are we expected to publish this as you wrote it? <laughs> yeah. So in any event, you know, I, I do wish that it had been finished. I, I doubt we'll ever see any conclusion. You never know in comics. We're going to write that. You and uh, I, you yeah. and I, we're, we're, we're doing it. Well, how would you want the story to end? Or um, you want to save that for, for uh, we don't want to yeah, give away no, that's, ideas. Yeah, yeah, I got to think right. about that. I, you wait, you wait, because, you know, you know, I'm so well known as being a famous comic book writer. I, I, I'll figure it out. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's. It's interesting, I guess. I feel like it's a kind of a tough nut to crack. The idea that the Joker was behind the murder, it's like, to what end? It's like, was he trying to create another? Like, I don't know, Did he, does he, in this version, does he know Batman's identity? Has he figured out how Batman became Batman and he's trying to create another? I mean, I don't know. There, there It could be an interesting idea, I suppose. You know, along those lines of thought, and I won't delve into it, but, did you read Three Jokers? I did, yeah. That okay. might be the subject of an upcoming episode. Yeah. You never know. I would love to have a podcast of you talking about that because okay. I got a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> I think we can make but, that happen. But that, that, that reminded me of it where in that story, the Jokers, the three of them were trying to create the next iteration of the Joker, you know. Right. So, yeah, it, was the Joker trying to create a new Batman? Like, yeah, it, there, there are so many unresolved questions. Here's what you do. Get me Frank Miller's phone number. I'll oh. call him up. Yeah. And and he and I will hash it out and I'll let you know what he says. All right. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, is there anything else you want to say before we jump? Um, I want to say, and I know, again, I'm dating this by putting a date on it, but it's December 21st, <laughs> 2020. I just want to say happy holidays to everybody, man. I, I got my Christmas shopping done today and uh, that's it. I hope everybody's doing well. And I thank you so much, man, for inviting me as always. I enjoy this so much. It's, it's my pleasure. I always have a great time uh, when, when we do these. I feel like you're, you keep giving the date because I think you feel like <laughs> that will prompt me, that will pressure me to air this sooner rather than later. No, you can air this December 21st, <laughs> 2023. I don't care. I'll be long dead by then. I'm just saying, I don't like the, the chicanery of like, oh, well, this is a timeless. This is the date. This is Monday the 21st. This is when we're recording. 
Yeah. You can edit the crap out of it if you want. I don't care, but no, I don't. Uh, I'm not planning I, to do any editing. My, my... Lie to our people like this is, you know, yeah, no, fair enough. Um, and that's why I'm so jolly. It's pre Christmas. I get the day off. I had a customer. I had, <laughs> here's the, here's the fun part. And I'll leave you with this. I'm sorry to, to run off at the mouth. I had one customer who said, how long are you going to be closed for Christmas? I'm like, well, it's one day. I'll be closed for Christmas day. He goes, oh, you're not going to take like a week off? I was like, I, I can't afford to take a week off. I had a different customer who said, what do you mean you're going to be closed on Christmas? Like, What's well, Christmas? He goes, well, what if I want to escape from my wife? I'm like, you want me to leave a key under the mat? Like, I'm sorry. I, I get that this is your happy place, but can I have a damn day off? I'm taking Christmas off. So yeah, just that dichotomy of, oh, you're only taking Christmas off? And the other customer going, you're, you're taking Christmas off. It's, it's like, how dare you? And Steve Odo doesn't drink. How did he get through all those years? Yeah. The former owner of uh, my old comic shop. Uh, he, he, we would. had to bring up alternate realities. Otherwise Phil can't do a shot. I know. Yeah. <laughs> one of your customers loves on my podcast whenever I mention my, my old store, but uh, you know, Steve used to in the days before he remarried and stuff, like he, he would be at the shop on, on Christmas. Uh, and I really? remember there was one Christmas in particular that uh, like before my family came over, like I went over to the store to buy an issue of wizard that I, I hadn't gotten, but I was thinking about it because I had an article on like the Michael Turner Supergirl. And I, I remember like I didn't pick it up when it came out. And then I was like, oh, like I want to get it. And I knew he would be there. And I, and I went and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm taking Christmas off. As man. well you should. That's... For anyone who wants to uh, check out Fat Moose, what's the best way to, uh, to get in touch with you? Um, show up with a bunch of cash. Okay, there you go, Probably folks. The best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fat Moose so find Comics. Us online. We, got, we have a Facebook page. I don't have a dedicated website that, yeah, I mean, I have one. I think it hasn't been updated in God knows how many years. But call the store, show up, get in touch with me through Facebook, go to our YouTube channel, Fat Moose Comics. There's a bunch of really stupid videos. <laughs> They're increasingly more ridiculous to the point where one of my regulars goes, my wife watched your new video with me and she's worried about you <laughs> because she said, you showed okay. His videos keep getting weirder. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is a weird time for everybody. We do what we can, you know? Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I hope everyone will, will check out Fat Moose. And uh, again, thank you so much for being part of this. I look forward to the next time we can do one. Thank you to everyone who uh, listened or watched. I really do appreciate it. We'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. And until then, remember, they're all imaginary stories. My Comic Shop Book Club is a Flat Squirrel production. Art by Kristen San Gregorio. Music by Basic Printer. If you like what you heard, be sure to check out my other podcasts, Digging for Kryptonite and My Comic Shop History. Sign up for exclusive content, including the official book club companion podcast at patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato and watch my documentary film, My Comic Shop Country, out now on Apple TV and Amazon.